You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone, it's time for another episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. Trade deadline has come and gone. Chris Drury made some moves acquiring Andrew Kopp, Tyler Mott, and Justin Braun, which should bolster our bottom six and give a little insurance with the defensive pairings. But there are now some new questions concerning the roster after the deadline. Stat Boy Steven is back once again to help me break it all down. Steven, how are you? Doing well. Uh, you know, I'm finally getting used to Irish time again after uh, returning from New York on when was it Tuesday? So yeah, I'm, I'm over the jet lag after five days. So feeling pretty good. Well, that's good. Um, you went to some games uh, when you were here and, and uh, I don't want to hits. talk about it. Not, no. Okay. <laughs> no, I, w- I, went, I went to two terrible games in Minnesota and St. Louis. Oh my, you went to both of those. Yeah. I saw you behind the glass on uh, TV in the St. Louis game. I saw you and, uh, and your fiance. With the, yeah. what was it, the Hockey Fights Cancer jerseys? Yes, yes. Those are always nice. But uh, we went to the Anaheim game at the Garden afterwards, so we ended on a high note at least. Yeah, that was a thrilling game, the overtime winner after tying it late on the power Tying play. it late and then winning it in overtime. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. And I was in the same section as Amanda Kessel, so my oh, fiancé awesome. was fangirling out about that. Uh, we, we got a picture of her with Amanda Kessel, so yeah. Overall, that game was pretty cool. Um, look, I'm, I, Minnesota and St. Louis were still great trips. You know, I'm not going to let a bad result ruin ruin the trip. But yeah, conceding 11 goals in two games is not what I had hoped for. Right, and not showing showing up like at all. Is, well, uh... that look, there, there's losing, and then there's just not giving a shit. Yeah, um, and. Yeah, they just, they just, they just, the effort just wasn't there. And especially the game in St. Louis where I was sitting behind the bench, I was able to observe Gallant and how he communicates with players when they come off the ice. And yeah, definitely was not happy. And, you know, you go into the, into the first intermission in St. Louis scoring a goal. You're only down, was it 3-1 at that point? It was 3-1. And then you come out of the locker room for the second period and you can see the goal 15 seconds in. Everything you discussed in the locker room is irrelevant at that point. You know, all the, the game, the entire game plan you laid out for 10 minutes in the locker room, you can throw it in the bin after that because it just it just changed everything. But mm-hmm. like I said, it was a great time. I met some great people, uh, both in Minnesota and St. Louis. And uh, yeah, no, overall, it was still a great trip. Yeah. And uh, speaking of effort, um, the Rangers fresh off their new acquisitions of cop Mott and Braun, which was pretty much textbook on what we wanted for, for well, you know, you know how vocal I have been about what I wanted at the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you 
you're saying buy low. You were saying buy low. Don't be like sellers. You're not yeah. saying that the team should be sellers. That it's no. not. They're not capable of making the playoffs. They're just not. I don't think they're capable of winning the cup compared to like the other teams, like like Florida, Carolina, Tampa Bay, uh, Colorado. Yeah. You know those the only, teams. The only buyers move they really made was Andrew Cobb. Um, where you give up two second rounders and Morgan Barron. Right. That was the biggest piece we gave up, Morgan Barron. Yes. Um, and I know that one of the second rounders is conditional. It can turn into a first. But look, I've been very vocal about not giving up a first round pick. But with this condition, I can live with it because it's only a first rounder if you make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which means Final Four. 29th if, overall. If Andrew Cobb can get, can get you to the Final Four the experience your team and especially your young kids are gaining is worth well more than a 29th overall pick in the upcoming draft. Right. And the player that you would potentially get at that 29th overall spot or later, what are the odds that that player is going to be an impact player Mm -hmm. within the next three years? Yeah. But what I didn't want is an unconditional first where, you know, you get bounced in the first round and, you give up like an 18th overall pick. That's an entirely different conversation. Mm-hmm. But the Andrew Cobb trade was great. Um, and then Tyler Mott for a was Tyler Mott for a fourth round pick in 2023. Mm-hmm. And Justin Braun for I think a third round pick in 2023. Those trades, I I don't even I, I don't have anything bad to say because mid-round picks you can always acquire in the off season. So yep. if you want to get a third round pick back for next year's draft, you can, you know, we traded Brett Howden for fourth. Mm-hmm. So, so those picks are always easy to get back. And I like how Chris Drury divided up the picks between the two, between the two upcoming drafts. You know, he, he wasn't just trading away 2022 picks. Because I still want the draft to mean something for the Rangers, you know? But, um, yeah, and then, of course, the Beteto for Merkley trade, which was low-key, actually, you know, that's that's definitely a buy-low trade because you're giving up a player that was going to walk in free agency anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're getting a player who, I know, I know the odds are low, but if he puts it together with a change of scenery type scenario, you know, it's it's... It's um, it's a potential win. Um, and other than that, you know, Chris Drury had a really good deadline. There's not, not much else I can say about it. I really like the moves that he made, especially that cop trade. I really like that one. The cop yes. and the Mott trades were fantastic. Really yeah. good. I really like Mott. I went to the game on Friday, and the Rangers took a double minor. Dryden Hunt took a double minor at the end of the first period, and they had to kill that off and they completely dominated that penalty kill. And he was the star of it. Tyler. Mott. I, I, yeah. I want to touch on that for a quick second because I've, been, I've said the same thing about the penalty kill. That penalty kill was a thing of beauty because, and especially on a double minor, this is very important. You, of course, it's important to clear the zone on the penalty kill because you want to get fresh players on. I get it. But what Tyler Mott did on that penalty kill is so much more valuable because he recognized the position of the Rangers defenseman 
recognized that the Penguins were going for a line change because they expected him to dump the puck. What he did instead was he circled back, passed it back to Keandre Miller, who then waited like 10, 15 seconds before dumping the puck. By doing that, you're killing off an additional 15, 20 seconds on a four-minute penalty. That's huge because that's 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 almost half a minute extra that you, that you're killing off. That was that was a great move by Tyler Mott, and that was instrumental for what he brings to this team. And how refreshing is it that, with all due respect to Greg McKegg and Dryden Hunt, but how refreshing is it to have actual quality fourth line players on your penalty kill? Yeah, and you know they the. The coaching staff doesn't like, won't admit that you know McKeg isn't uh, an NHL player. They just won't do that. So they're they're always going to say that he's a quality player, but we have better players. Yeah, it's there's no way. Like you can't you cannot compare Greg McKeg to to uh, Dryden or um, not Dryden Hunt, uh, Tyler Mott. You -hmm. can't do it. It's just night and day right there. And, and then Andrew Cobb is, of course, the other big guy we got with, uh, you know, he's a he's a center who can also play wing. He's really good on faceoffs. He's on pace for 50 points this season. And I, I don't want to get carried away with his early production. You know, he got two assists in his uh, Rangers debut and then a goal in his second game. I don't want to get carried away there because... I'm not saying these are the same players, but Ryan Spooner also had two assists in his Rangers debut as a deadline day acquisition. But Andrew Cobb uh, brings something to the Rangers. And I think this is, I don't, I don't see him as a rental. I see him as, uh, as I see it sort of like a tryout mm-hmm. for the Rangers. If they cannot agree to a cap friendly deal with Ryan Strom, they have an alternative with Andrew Cobb. I don't. Th- yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think Cobb is a very good player. Yeah. I just don't see him being the replacement for Strom, like the direct replacement. I feel like the on a cup-winning team, you're going to need something better than Strom and Cobb as your second-line center. While I that's like- true, while that's true, if Ryan Strom wants to sign elsewhere for seven million a year it's really hard for Chris Drury to say, okay, we'll give you $7 million. Yeah, you, you definitely know? should not hand out $7 million. Anything, I've always, I keep saying this, but anything more than 6.125 is an overpayment. And now with the way he's been playing recently, I think anything above 5.75 is an overpayment with Strom. Yeah, look, and, and I'm okay with a Ryan Strom extension if it aligns with uh, Panarin's contract. So four years. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going with a longer deal for Strom, I would love to sign him to a Nugent Hopkins type contract or an Ericsson Eck type contract where, yeah, you give him eight years, but he gets five million a year. Mm-hmm. Right. You if lower you the can, value on the contract by extending the years. If you can then get Andrew Cobb to sign for five million as well. I know, you know, this is all speculation and guessing, and I know it's a little bit of wishful thinking, but let's just say a scenario where both sign for around five million. Now you're paying ten million for your middle six centers. Mm-hmm. That's that's no different than paying seven point five for Strom and two point five for Hedel. Right. But Strom 
Culp is a much better combo than Strom Heedle. I like that. Yeah, I like that. But you know what? On in terms of, for Heedle, I think now with those new line combinations, he actually has play like actual players to play with now. Like he's yes. playing with Lafreniere now and Barkley Goudreau in their first shift in that game on Friday. Lafreniere gets a goal. Good mm-hmm. feed from from Heedle, yeah. and it the puck found its way to the back of the net. Yeah. I had no I, idea I, the I puck still... would go was going in until I saw Lafreniere's hands going up. Uh, yeah, when, I, at, I, at the I game, would play, I still would play Heedle on the wing with Cop at center. Right, I agree. If you decide to put Cop on that line, put Cop in the middle and Heedle on the wing for sure. And then your your fourth line could be Mott, Rooney, Goudreau. Yeah, I like that. And then like and then that. your top six is on the left. You have Kreider, Panera, and down the middle you have Sabanajet, Strom, and on the right you have once he's back, of course, Kako, and then Vetrano. Mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like be mad at uh, Gallant for for putting Lafreniere down on the third line. I truly think that he made that move as a way to lengthen the lineup to provide yeah. more scoring because he sees Lafreniere's coming into his own. This isn't a like, okay, you're not good enough. They he did say he wants him to become a 200 foot player, and he gets a lot, he gets lost a little bit when he plays on the right wing. Mm-hmm. And he puts him on his comfortable side, is the left wing. I don't see anything wrong with that. And to to make make it even better, again, Lafreniere scored on his very first shift on that new line with with uh, Heedle and Goudreau. That's a that's a statement right there. I was I was not worried whatsoever when I saw in practice that they were experimenting with the lines. You knew that was going to happen. You have you have like three four new players, so you I know, know that's. But it's- it's it's I'll say this. Uh, it, it, I understand fans getting uh, getting upset with it because the timing was suspect. You know, you, you're right. making this move when he's on a four game point streak. He has four games with an assist, and then you move him down from the first line to the third line. I understand why fans were upset with it. That said, um, Lafreniere shut everyone up. Mm-hmm. He scores a goal in what the first two minutes? Yes. Not only that. Not only that. The first shift. His first shift of of the game. Yeah. It had to have been two three minutes into the game. And then and then the guy that replaced him on the Zabanejad line, Frank Vetrano, also gets a goal. Mm-hmm. But not only that, Lafreniere was flying that entire game, especially in that first period, filled with confidence from what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just yeah, limited and, to that first shift. Like he was playing yeah. very well with those guys. And there is a big difference playing on a third line with McKegg and Gautier or playing on a third line with Hedl and Goudreau. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, third lines aren't all the same. There's a reason why Gallant only uses the like his third line players for like 10 12 minutes a game and other teams use them for like 14 15 minutes a game. If you could get a lineup where your third line can play can put up a decent amount of points and they could log like 14 15 minutes of ice time, that's that's not a bad thing. It's not mm-hmm. like Lafreniere is getting demoted to the third line and he's only going to get 12 minutes a game. No. What we're hoping to have have happen is he gets demoted to the third line, but he gets 14, 15 minutes of time on ice so that they're effective in, you know, getting us offense and producing offense. 
Like our yeah. team in 2013-14, our best line was Pouliot, Broussard, Zuccarello. Oh. That was our third line. You could that argue is the best, our- that is the best third line I've ever seen for the Rangers. Exactly, exactly. My favorite line of all time. Yeah, the um, yeah that that was that was a great line. You had Broussard come over from Columbus, mm-hmm. who needed a change of scenery. You had Benoit Pouliot, who. Who, who did he play before he joined the Rangers? Who did he Montreal, play? Montreal, Boston, maybe. I think. Yeah, he 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 was he Former was turning into overall pick. Yeah, he was turning into a little bit of a journeyman at that stage, and then he joined the Rangers on I think it was a one year deal, um, and then Zuccarello, who at age twenty six, because I I think people sometimes forget this, Zuccarello wasn't an NHL regular until he turned twenty six. In twenty thirteen, he finally got a shot under Alain Vigneault. He, he turned 26 that, that September, 2013. That third line was was a line with three players that had something to prove. And boy, did they prove that they proved the doubters wrong. Mm-hmm. Did they prove their previous coaches wrong? And for Pouliot, it turned into a, a fat contract with the Oilers. Yeah. Uh, Zuccarello led the Rangers in scoring for, for three out of the next four seasons even though it was 59, 59, 61, and I think 43 points, but still. And Broussard, proven playoff performer Broussard, the main reason Ottawa went after him in 2016. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll quickly elaborate on that trade because I don't think people think of it this way, but yes, they gave up Zibanejad and a second-round pick. But that trade really, really did exactly what, what Ottawa set out to get. You know, they really got out of Broussard what they needed. They got a proven playoff performer. They were within a goal of making the Stanley Cup final in 2017. Right. They beat the Rangers in the second round, then go up against the Penguins, the, the, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. They make it to game seven. One of the big reasons is because Broussard scored some very timely goals in that postseason for them. If, 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 if they get one puck bounce going their way, they're in the Stanley Cup final against, was it the Sharks? In 2017, or the uh, Predators? I think it was the pre- uh, Predators. I always forget which is which. I yeah, because they both yeah. lost to the Penguins. So, but you know, one goal going their way, and they're in the Stanley Cup final against a team that has never won a cup, and who knows what happens then? You know. So right. yeah, ultimately, in the end, the Senators collapsed and imploded and they made some terrible trades they ended up trading for duchene giving up kyle turris in in the process but yeah you know you know ultimately they didn't get the cup but but short term they really got out of brassard what they wanted and luckily for us uh they gave us uh, a second round pick and mika zibanejad who mika zibanejad in the month of march is probably a top five player in the league yeah, yeah, he's just unreal. What was this? I thought I saw you post a stat about like how many goals he has in the month of March. Like, yeah, in, since joining the Rangers, the only yeah. player to have more goals than him, I think, is Alex Ovechkin, and he's only one goal ahead of Zibanejad. Wow, that's it's, crazy company right there. If you're up that, there with Ovechkin in that, mm-hmm. What is it yep. since he joined the Rangers? Since Zibanejad joined the Rangers, I think so. I, I think I looked it up. Since the 2016-17 season, in the month of March, only Alex Ovechkin has scored more goals than Mika Zibanejad. Wow, huh. 
Neat. You know, when, and, and this is, you, these are the type of players you want. You want players that produce when, when things matter the most, you mm-hmm. know, when you're, when you're pushing for a playoff spot, when you're trying to get home eyes advantage. Um, and, and you know what, uh, Andrew Cobb is, is the same way. Uh, I, I tweeted a, a stat about Andrew Cobb as well. Um, I think, I'm going to quickly look it up for you, but the other one that's really interesting is Frank Vetrano, because as you know, we're going to likely play the Penguins in the postseason, right? Right. Um, More than likely our first round matchup. Frank Vetrano in 13 games against the Pittsburgh Penguins has 10 points. Wow. That's pretty good. I mean, that's a good player to have, especially if you're going to go, if that's who our first round opponent is. Some players, some players just just produce better against other against against specific teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here it is. Um, we talk about Mika March Madness, but looking at Andrew Cobb's career splits, I may have to rename him to April Cobb. Twenty-two points in thirty-one games. April is his most productive month of the season. Since joining the league, that's as many April points as Jaden Swartz, Mitch Marner, Sebastian Ajo, and Ryan Johansson. That's crazy. Cop. Andrew Cop. Andrew Cop in the month of April. You know, on the home stretch when you're really trying to get there. By the way, the player leading the league in that span for games in in April is Artemi Panarin with 49 points in 30 games. So Panarin... Panarin is another player that really turns it up a notch at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have we talked about players who score goals in October? Yep. And and I know a win in October is two points, just like a win in April. But I get you what know, you're saying. Yeah, it's, it it's, is. It, may, it means so much more when it's down to the wire. So like the later months, April, yeah. May, June. Exactly. Whoever scores um, those those playoff points. So yeah, since twenty since twenty sixteen or since twenty when did Andrew Cobb join the league? Was twenty fifteen or twenty fourteen? I think twenty fourteen. So in the last eight years, Artemi Panarin leads the league in April with forty nine points. Jamie Benn is second with forty one, hmm. and Andrew Cobb is has twenty two. 22 points in 31 games. That's, you know, that, that that's what you want from a player. You want to get players who bring something that that your team is lacking. And between Kopp, Zibanejad, Panarin, and Kreider having a career year, you know, this is this is an exciting team to watch the uh, the upcoming weeks. Yeah, I think this is I, – I've liked how they played against Pittsburgh – First five minutes of that first oh. period, outstanding. I that, that, that I couldn't even sit game. down between the second and the third third goals. Like they a, they just fired him off that quickly. That entire game, I think. You know, everyone talks about the first five minutes in that game, but right? Let's look at the game as a whole, right? You go up three nothing within five minutes, mm-hmm. and you know how people always mockingly say three nothing is or three goal lead is the most dangerous in hockey. That and a two-goal lead, yeah, two-nothing lead or whatever. Because yes. if you can see the goal, it's only a two-goal lead, and, and you know, you're going to collapse and this and that. No, the Rangers still stayed composed on defense, 
And when they killed off that four-minute penalty at the end of the first period, that was huge. And then you get the second period where everyone's like, is the same thing going to happen that happened against the Devils? Right. Where you go into the first intermission up to nothing, and then you come out of the second period down 5-2? No. The second period, they stayed composed. They didn't take any risks. You know, they, they were just playing their game. And then they make it 4 nothing, And then, yeah, they concede a goal on the power play. Or on it the was penalty. a BS call, too. That I don't think that roughing call should have been made. I think that was a light call. <sighs> yeah, but, you know, you touch Crosby in the face. Yeah, Crosby's reputation earned you're, that penalty. You're going to get a call. I'm, I'm more upset with the Lindgren call in the in the previous game against the Penguins where he was called for hooking. Yeah, all he did of was course. Lift, all he did was lift his stick. That was, that was a bad call. The call where Nemeth is touching Crosby in the face, I can understand why they call it rough. It's, it's not a great call, but I've seen worse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, that whole game, um, the third period, that's where they clinched it. Yeah, the third period, uh, was it an empty net goal? No, it was Cops' uh, first goal as a Rangers. That, that's the one, yeah. The uh, the crazy pass by Panarin. Panarin, no look backhand pass from behind the goal line, and Cop hammered it past the goalie. And can we talk for a second about Chris Kreider <sighs> killing the Tony Amonti references on Twitter forever. Uh-huh. I called it in the beginning. B- before the game started, I said, I'm feeling two points from Kreider. I'm feeling two points. And he had how many points? He had three. He had two goals and an assist. Two goals and an assist. And he, he shattered that record. Yeah. He points. Is... First time since Amonti. Rangers drafted forward. Yeah. First time. Any, since any Tony... forward drafted by the Rangers. Any yeah. So since Tony Amonti in 1993... Chris Kreider is the first Rangers forward draft pick to hit 60 points for us in a single season. And there are some caveats because Butch Nevich was on pace for more than 60 last season, but it was a shortened season. Mm-hmm. Stepan in 2013 had 44 in 48 games. So he was on pace for more than 60. In 2001, I think, Mike York had 59 points as a Ranger and was then traded to the Oilers. <laughs> So we were close a couple of times, but yeah, but you second, said all the, uh, every team probably has that. This is the thing. Every team deals with this. The second longest drought in this category were the New Jersey devils since 2012. Really? And the Rangers had to go back all the way to 1993. So 2000, that's only 10. So 10 years for the devils and what almost it was over it was, 30. It was 29 years for us. 29 years? 29 years. There are captains in the league that were not alive the last time that happened. Wow. (laughs) Um, For reference, here's a list of teams that did not exist the last time that happened. The Carolina Hurricanes, the Arizona Coyotes, the Nashville Predators, the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, the new Winnipeg Jets, uh, the Minnesota Wild, those teams did not exist the last time a Rangers forward draft pick hit 60 points for us. That's, that's nuts. <laughs> yes. So we finally got rid of that. But what's even more impressive is that Kreider, until this season, had never scored a shorthanded goal. Mm-hmm. Now he has three. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. And, like, they were all big goals, too. Yeah. 
he is the only player in Rangers history to have three games in the same season where he scores both an even strength and shorthanded goal. Only Ranger to ever do it three times in a season. That's nuts. The, the Rangers, going back to like how they played on Friday as a, as a team, I have this quote pulled up from, from Mike Sullivan, coach of the Penguins, former assistant coach mm-hmm. of the Rangers. Here's what he said. He said, we got outplayed in every facet of the game. We got outcoached in every facet of the game. There's no excuses for it. They were just way better than us in every area. Do you know how much that means coming from yeah. a two-time Stanley Cup winning coach? That's there great. Was a, uh, there was a local Pittsburgh newspaper that said, finally, after a week, something happened on the Pittsburgh power play. But unfortunately for us, it was Kreider and Zibanejad combining for a shorthanded goal. <laughs> 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 that that's funny. Yeah, that's no, Kreider's having a having a career year. He's a, he's only three power play goals away from breaking the franchise record. By the way, he has twenty two power play goals, and Yager's record is twenty four. How many goals did Yager have when he has this, this single season record? It was 52? 54. 54. 54. Yes, uh, Adam Graves had fifty two in ninety four. Yes. And then Yaga broke it with 54 and 06. There's um, a chance for Kreider to, to break that, though. Kreider so. has 44. He only needs 10 goals to tie it in the remaining, what is it, 17 games? It's possible. Yeah, it's possible, um, yeah. By the way, um, Kreider also now holds the record for most goals by a Rangers draft pick for the Rangers with 44. The previous record was Steve Vickers with 41 in 1975. In a single season? Yes. Single season goals for the Rangers by one of our own draft picks. That's crazy. Steve Vickers in 1975. So Chris Kreider is is finally, he's rewriting history. You know how we still talk about Adam Graves in 94? Mm -hmm. This is a season by Chris Kreider that Ranger fans will talk about for decades. I'm telling you, this is a season that will come up in trivia questions. This is a season that will come up in, in, you know, uh, New York Rangers history. uh, You know, those magazines that they sell. This is a season that's going to be epic, historic for Chris Kreider. It took him forever to, to do it. We all, we were all saying that it was, it's, that he has the potential to, to have a season like this. And yeah. it took him how many years to do it? Like 10 years, maybe? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Oh, let's also not forget that, you know, we can all give Gallant a lot of credits for it. But let's be honest, it's also the fact that he plays on a power play with Zibanejad, Panarin, and Fox. I mean, but the, you can't, yeah, Kreider's one of the reasons why our, our power play is so elite, though. Like half of not getting goals, those goals. Half of his goals are on the power play, but he also scores shorthanded and at even strength. It's just the complete package this year. I wish he had a little bit more assists because I think he only has like 17 assists. Right, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain about a guy scoring 44 goals in a season for a Ranger because that shit only happens in video games, man, for us. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to complain at all about having 44 goals and only 17 assists. Like, no. honestly, have Panarin ta- Panarin's taken all the assists the- this year. He's the yeah. one that that needs to be shooting it more. 
Do you, do you remember when Larry Brooks came out with uh, with an article saying that Panera wasn't performing, and then and then the next day he had yeah. a five point game against he, Dallas? He said he said that Panarin didn't like, might not like the uh, the offensive scheme Gallant is using, and that's yeah. why like he uses guys like Dryden Hunt or whatever. Um, and then the next game he scored, he had like four or five points against Dallas. I think he had a goal and four assists. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Yep. Shut everybody up, right? Everybody was talking about it too. Like he was like not the same, like there was something off. Yeah. And and then he just, he went out and, and did that. Yeah. There's something points. off about our Tammy Panarin. Boom, five points. Right. Yeah. Can Larry, can Larry Brooks write that again? Because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the mood after every, every game so that we we don't have to worry you know exactly so when so so funny story i I was in minnesota with my fiance and um by sheer coincidence we checked into the same hotel where the rangers were staying Mm -hmm. and we get there and we walk up to the elevator with the um with the guy from the hotel carrying our bags the door opens and mika zibanija walks out of the elevator which is such a weird you know thing to (laughs) see But then the crazy thing that happened was we get on the elevator with all our suitcases and everything. And Panera walks onto the elevator with us. And, you know, we were had a quick chat and we took a picture with him. He was so nice. And um, I sent the picture to my mom. My mom's like, who's that? Like, <laughs> I'm sharing an elevator with a guy making $12 million a year. <laughs> that, that, that was so unreal but look panarin is always is always fun to if you run into him somewhere you know he always takes his time he's he's such a goofball uh-huh yeah do you remember hank the hank henrik lundquist night? i was just gonna say yeah he was the line leader and he almost went the wrong direction yep yep exactly <laughs> yeah i love panarin so much he has a great sense of humor it, it, the post games are, are incredible. I love it. Good content for Rangers fans. Um, Steven, the last thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap it up, I wanted to go back to the Strom talk and what happens with him. Is there going to be, what do you think? Like if they can't come to terms on an extension, do you think there's going to be a replacement 2C, maybe like a Larkin or a Shifley trade? Or do you think they just stay with Cop and just ride it out with him? Yeah, see the problem... The problem is that you're not going to find a, a, a replacement in free agency. Mm-hmm. A long-term so, replacement, maybe for one year, yeah, but like not, not for, not for like three, I mean, four years. I, before he signed an extension, I would have loved to acquire Joe Pavelski. Yeah, but you know, uh, look, you're gonna have to trade for someone if you're replacing Ryan Strom. Now the question becomes: Is the re- is the improvement the replacement brings worth the assets it's going to cost you to to acquire that player? I I think it might be actually. If, if let's if say you, you trade for the other guy, if you could keep Mott, Vitrano, and Cobb, and still be under the salary cap, and you could still make that trade, yep, I think it's worth it. But you're also talking about salary cap there. The Rangers are going into the offseason with 10 million in, in cap space. Mm-hmm. They have to they have to re-sign Sammy Blay, Capo Caco, and hopefully Andrew Cobb and Tyler Mott. And Vitrano too. And right? if you want to keep Vitrano, you're talking about five players getting an extension there. 
Mm-hmm. You only have ten million in cap space. I think Blay and Kako shouldn't cost too much. Don't no, think- but it's they're still gonna earn more than what they do now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kako is coming off his entry level contract. He's not gonna sign for nine hundred thousand a year. No, no, it's gonna be if, like uh, I'd say two years, two million dollars. Give him a bridge deal. Now, if you look at what Heedle got, Kako will get more. Kako will get more. Okay. He he's get, probably going to get between two and a half and three million a year mm. for two or three years. Yeah, you're talking about a second. You're talking about a second overall pick, three years removed from his draft. If you don't, if you don't sign him to an extension, then you're talking about a potential offer sheet. Because that's the type of player that a team could offer sheet for. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know offer sheets rarely happen. Yeah, we've seen two in the last three years. It's it's something to to still consider. So yeah, sign Kako to an extension, a bridge deal. Hedl and Nemeth are probably going to be gone simply for cap reasons. You yep. know, as much as people like Philip Hedl, two plus million for a third liner, you just cannot afford it if you want to keep Andrew Cobb and Tyler Mott and maybe Frank Vetrano. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, you know, we have Fox and Zibanejad's new contracts kicking in. We have three point four million in in cap penalty still. Right. Yeah. That that is a a bummer. It, yes. It's, uh, it's because we have Shattenkirk, Lundqvist buyouts there. D'Angelo's got a little bit on him. Girardi even next year. Girardi. Is the la- this is the last year for like all those guys. Yes. Twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty. 2023-24, we have zero cap penalties. Mm-hmm. Well, there's Brad Richards, but $0. that was a compliance. That's that's a compliance buyout, so it's just the money. The Rangers are paying Brad Richards 1.1 million until 2026. <laughs> that's see nuts. when Ranger fans laugh about the Di Pietro buyout. I always bring up the Brad Richards buyout yeah. because we shouldn't be making fun of it. When- I never make fun of the Di Pietro buyout. If I make fun of Di Pietro, I mean he's good on the radio. I I want him on my <clears throat> podcast. I would love to have him. Funny guy, hilarious. Uh, if I make fun of him, it's because of his durability and not being able to stay healthy. Yep. All the nurses um, in the hospital know that guy. That's my go-to joke with Di Pietro. You want to. You- you want to hear something funny talking about buyouts? Go ahead. Um, when Henrik Lundqvist had his number retired, he was on the payroll for more money than six players on the team. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. On the ice, like on like the playing yeah. in that game? They were playing in that game, yes. Oh, my gosh. Henrik Lundqvist in his buyout... Uh, is being paid 1.5 million this year, which is more money than, uh, let's see, than Capo Caco, Kevin Rooney, um, Libor Hayek, Braden Schneider, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, because he's still on his entry level contract, Johnny Brodzinski, Greg McKegg, Dryden Hunt, Julian Gauthier, Alexi Lafreniere. It's 11. Yeah, I, I don't, I think six of those played in that game. Five or six. Wow. So yeah, buyouts buyouts are always funny to uh, to talk about, you know, in detail. But and last thing I'll say before we wrap it up, I think they're gonna keep. I think Truba is is gonna stick around for a little oh, while longer. Dude, Truba was making the trades on, on 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 deadline day. Yes, yeah, for sure, he had to have been. It is. 
I mean, Tyler Mott and Andrew Cobb. Are you serious? Yeah. It's 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 unbelievable. Don't how... forget about Vetrano. That's his boy too. Yes, Vetrano. So we basically got got Truba's Truba's kids, so to speak. Tr- Truba's buddies. Yeah. Um. So yeah, interesting to uh to see. But look, the the the, the one that's that's underrated here is Justin Braun as as a deadline acquisition. Um. As much as I want to see Braden Schneider play, I understand that coaches love experience. And Justin Braun played a hundred playoff games in the NHL. Yeah, he put, he played with the Sharks uh, yeah. when they were good. So yeah, yeah. he went to the playoffs he played, a lot. He played seven hundred and eighty-four regular season games. Guy's been through a lot. He's yeah. He's he's done it. He's done it like pretty much everything. Yeah, like, if he, he, he was if he good looked, on on the Flyers on a bad Philly team, he was good mm-hmm. as a defenseman. Yeah, that's if you crazy. look at if you look if you look at his post seasons, uh, that's one, two, three. He had five post seasons where he played ten games or more. Hmm. Yeah, so, so I mean, like the the teams that he was on too were yeah. were good, were good teams. Like they were making mm-hmm. kind of yeah. deep runs. Stanley Cup final with the Sharks in twenty sixteen. He was on that team. So, yeah, it's it's uh, Justin Braun might take some minutes away from Braden Schneider, but that's 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 not really a worry for me. I'm just really happy with Cobb, Vetrano, and Mott for what they bring. Braden um, Schneider should feel proud of himself. The, the way he's come in and played since yeah. the first day he, he arrived here is uh-huh. outstanding. He should just but, be nothing but proud of himself. There's like he to, left it, he's left it all out there. Yeah. To to sum up the deadline, Chris Drury went out and fixed everything that needed to be fixed without giving up Brennan Othman, Nils Lundqvist, Zach Jones, Braden Schneider, Brett Berard, Ryder Korzak, Will Cooley or anyone else. He gave up Morgan Barron, who, let's be honest, was stuck behind Greg McKegg. For some reason, yes. And as much as I like Morgan Barron, his upside was a third-line player. It's not like we gave up a guy that's going to turn into an 80-point player somewhere else. To me, Barron didn't move the needle at all. Like, when he was in the lineup, yeah, he was all right, but, like... I didn't see much of a difference out there. And the, the only team. thing I'll miss about Morgan Barron is those blue eyes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was good. He was a good player. He was he was fine. He was uh, okay he was player. Good. And you know, in in and and this is probably why the Batetto trade happened. You know, because Merkley was an AHL. That seems like an AHL yeah. like move to like Merkley replaces Barron in Hartford. Yep. So yeah, no, really happy with what Drury did, and and as much as Ranger fans are still upset about the Butchnevich trade, this this kind of makes up for it. Not completely, but right, it is a huge step in the right direction for Drury. Now, my only question is, what's going to happen with? And I know people don't want to hear about this, but he's still a Rangers prospect. He's still under contract. How is Drury going to handle Vitali Kravtsov when his KHL season ends? Because he's playing well right now, he's killing it yeah. in the playoffs. I see what what he's the points he's putting up, and Jury even mentioned it in the press conference. He said that yeah. he's been playing extremely well. He seemed it seemed yeah. like he was pleased with his performance. 
Mm-hmm. I'm very interested and intrigued to see what happens uh, with Kravtsov. In the offseason, if he survives, I wonder what happens in training camp if he is able to make us make it onto the team to get a spot in the third yeah. line, maybe. And I think you have I, a third line with Kravtsov on it, and he's playing the way he's been playing in Russia. You, again, you lengthen the lineup, and you have a, a like a vi- viable options down there, and that's a good no. thing. It's not like you're getting giving the third line only ten minutes, and they're not going to get you anything. No, no, it's like you want it to be like the our third line of uh, Pouliot, Broussard, Zuccarello. You want it to have that kind of production. And look, in, in the playoffs, he has uh, five goals and three assists for eight points in 10 games. Hmm. That was the th- that was like the selling point when they first drafted him, that he look, played very well in the playoffs, that they and, very much enjoyed and, and were pleased and impressed yeah. and we're by coming, his performance we're coming full in the circle. KHL playoffs. Yeah, we're coming full circle here. We're, we're talking earlier about players who who perform when it matters most. Right. Uh, Kravtsov is a player that plays best when the lights shine brightest. You know, when the playoffs happen, when the playoffs start, he he turns it up a notch. And if he can if he can translate that to the NHL, because that's always, of course, a big question. But if he can translate that to the NHL, that's a huge asset for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say about about Kravtsov is this: Kravtsov will always have more value on the ice than he will have in a trade for the Rangers. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And yeah, I, I Jesse Puglia Yarvi openly said he would never play for the Oilers again, and they were able to reconcile that. So, yeah, it's never too late. The last thing I want is for Kravtsov to be traded away for a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't you want know, that either. I, I just want what's best for the team. And if playing him is best for the team, then play him. If you can find a GM that that's willing to give us like a a fifteenth overall pick, and you take it, I I can live with it. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to. I don't want to give up on his value completely just because the player and the team had a bad experience. I I want my general manager to be more professional than that. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of new questions that we need to wait for to get answers to mm. oh by the I way be, be, before we go um i looked this up the other day actually um since in the salary cap era there are five players acquired by the rangers on uh, at the deadline who had at least a point in their first game for the for the rangers uh man i can't nemestikov spooner Namesnikov didn't have a point in his first game, but Spooner had two assists, yes. Spooner was one of them. Cop. Yeah. Cop two assists. Um Ryan Clough. Ryan Clough, two goals and an assist. Yeah. Broussard. Broussard, a goal and three assists. John Moore. John Moore, yeah. Uh was Derek Dorset. Derek Dorset, or... and then there's one missing. There's one from, missing oh. from 2006. 2006. Oh God, yeah. How my I, I wasn't watching back then. I don't even know who was who was around on that. Nick Antropov. Nick Antropov. Okay, okay. Yes, he did play on the Rangers for a little bit. Yes, he had an assist in his first game. Those uh, first four. Those were those first four were pretty easy. 
because no. I know those all came Broussard, uh, Dorset, Moore, and uh, uh, Chloe were all in the same game. Because yeah, it was it was against the Penguins. I remember that game. That was a that was an awesome game. That was fun. It was, it was a home game. It was six one. Uh, let me see here. Let me let me look it up. Uh, yeah, Broussard had a goal and three assists. Chloe had two goals and an assist. John Moore had a goal. And where is it? where is the other one? Dorset. Um, Dorset. Dorset. No, Dorset didn't play in that game. Oh, he he didn't. No, never mind. Um, let's see. No, so sorry. No, no, sorry. Dorset didn't play in that game. But it was Brassard, Chloe, and Moore. Brassard, Chloe, and Moore. Yeah. Rangers and Antropov, only guys to score in their first game. Uh, and Spooner, and Spooner. And Spooner, yes. Yeah. Only guys to score in their first game after being acquired yeah. by the Rangers. In the salary cap era. In the salary cap era. I didn't yeah. have time to go further back. I thought 2005, 2006, that's far enough. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool stat. That's yeah. a that's a good trivia question. That's the Cadillac trivia question. <laughs> that should that should be the Cadillac trivia question next trade deadline. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, right. lots of new questions for manage, Rangers management to answer. Time will tell. Probably going to answer them in the offseason. We'll have to see. If Kravtsov keeps playing the way he's playing, who knows? Maybe he'll find himself on the Rangers next season. Um, I would like to see that. Uh, we'll see. We'll have to see what happens with Strom and the second line center position. Cop, Vetrano, Mott, all those guys. We'll have to see if they Rangers extend them, give them offers. Uh, I'd like to see Cop and Mott make a return. I like what I'm seeing from them so far, and Lafreniere yeah. is killing it. The five game point streak for Lafreniere, longest streak of his career. Mm-hmm. Oh, which reminds me, since Daniel Gano in 1996. The only players age 20 or younger to have a five-game point streak for the Rangers. Derek Stepan, Philip Hedl, Capo Caco, and Alexi Lafreniere. <laughs> wow. Most of those guys came in within the last couple of years. Yep. And, yeah, well, that's mo- yeah, mostly because the Rangers never really had high draft picks in that era. Mm-hmm. But- yep. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to uh, to see Lafreniere do well. I just I, I'm really looking forward to Capocaco coming back. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I hope they put him with with Panarin and Strom because I want to see that again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to see how he does. Uh, the Panarin Strom Kako line was great in in late November. Mm-hmm. So, so we can see some more. Yep. All right, Ice Cold Takes listeners, we'll see you guys next week. Hey, Rangers fans, thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.